0: Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and if you want to start or grow a thriving coaching business, this is the place to be. Join me every Monday for inspiration and action when I interview top coaches and expert entrepreneurs who share strategies and secrets for building a successful business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today, we're speaking with Phil Singleton. Phil is a web designer, an SEO expert, and an award-winning author. Since 2005, Phil has owned and operated a digital agency based in Kansas City. In 2016, Phil and John Jantz of Duct Tape Marketing co-wrote SEO for Growth, The Ultimate Guide for Marketers, Web Designers, and Entrepreneurs. SEO for Growth is an Amazon bestseller and has been listed as a top marketing book by Mashable, Oracle, and the Huffington Post. It's also been featured on MSNBC, Entrepreneur, and Search Engine Journal, as well as many other industry websites. Phil, I want to thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. This is is an honor. Thank you.
0: Well, before we jump into more about your business, I would love it if you would tell us just a little bit about you and maybe what you like to do when you're not working.
1: Yeah, well, we're here in Kansas City in the Midwest. Um, I've actually kind of moved around the country, grew up in Florida, uh, spent some time actually in Asia. My wife's from Taiwan. Actually, I lived there for 10 years. Um, We moved back here in 2005, really to kind of start a family. And um so I've got you know most of my extended families here in the midwest, so and my wife really liked it every time we visited, so we came back here and um' been here since two thousand and five uh things that we like to do i you know I had we had kids a little bit later in life, so I've got twin boys that are seven years old, and it just seems like my entire life is uh hanging out with my sons and doing stuff with them and you know, doing things that are work related because I found I think what's my true passion in life. And after you kind of do that, or after I've done it anyway, it doesn't really feel like work anymore, or like it used to anyway. When I had kind of a soul crushing cubicle job um, <laughs> out of out of, uh, out of college, kind of when I first got started, where the days were really long when they went nine to five, and now they go five to nine. But I have a blast. You know what I mean? So, so it's kids and work. Um, and just recently this year, I got into. um taekwondo with them it's kind of a family thing my wife's a black belt but we we started to kind of restart that with the kids and that's been um it's been great because nice. it's one thing where you can use all your you know your mind and your senses and your body and really kind of completely detaches me from anything from the internet um and i haven't had that for a while so um being able to do that this year is kind of really giving me a different perspective and i like to go fishing occasionally that's that's kind of what i like to do <laughs> Kind of a simple guy i guess <laughs>
0: Well, you know, it's one of those things where it seems like a lot of people who own their own business or they're entrepreneurs, when it comes time to take time off, they really just like to chill out and hang out at home. Exactly. Now, I would love it if you would tell us a little bit about your business journey. What's been your journey from that soul-crushing cubicle job to what you're doing now?
1: Well, so I actually went to school... um and got a degree in finance. Right. So I got out of that and then I worked for basically in that kind of a field with an insurance company, um, out in the Northeast. And I wasn't, but two or three years into that job thinking that I can't, I can't really do this. You know, I can't really see myself being this this is my career. I was, you know, in a cubicle. I'd seen guys that had been there for 20 or 30 years and they were kind of just walking around like corporate zombies. I could tell mm-hmm. they weren't really happy and I really wasn't really I didn't have a lot of passion in what I was doing, but you know, each one of those years that went by, um I felt like financially it was a pretty good it was a pretty good deal to have that kind of security and and the benefits and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden I kind of start to feel like my you know, my destiny was being pulled in the way it wasn't supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And and then I, I just thought, you know what, I've got to really do something drastic here and make a change. Otherwise I'm going to kind of be stuck down this path that it, it really just kind of, it was the company that hired me out of school type of a thing. Um, so I ended up packing my bags and moving to Asia just to study um, Mandarin and to go, you know, do something drastic to change the trajectory of my career, I guess, of my life, to some respect. So I think people thought I was a little bit nuts. I know my family really was kind of nervous about it. But I went out there, spent a couple of years, learned how to speak Mandarin, met my wife, moved back here to the States, and ended up getting my MBA. And out of school, um, I was actually in Arizona, I ended up getting a, a job that took me back to Taiwan. Um, and I stayed there another eight eight years or so. Um, but that was like during the dot com era. So I had this mm-hmm. job where we were helping North American companies go to Asia and get strategic venture capital and partnerships and all that kind of stuff. And it was really great because I was a I was a Chinese speaking Westerner, so it was easy to open doors up and people wanted to buy into these dot com companies, but really quickly that Bubble, you know, burst, right? <laughs> and it would just disappeared almost overnight. So I got lucky because one of the companies we were working with it was a software company, and just by nature of things that they were doing, and and the way the legal landscape was changing in the U.S. for their product, a the software company basically fell in my lap in Taiwan, and we were selling consumer software. And what I saw even at that time, this is going back fifteen years ago. I didn't, again, this thing kind of fell into my lap. I didn't know anything. I came in from finance. I didn't know anything about software. I didn't know anything about web development. I didn't know much about internet marketing. So I learned a lot kind of on the job. And the company kind of, again, fell in my lap just because I was at the right place at the right time and um, and took advantage of it. But what I found was even way back then, the internet, and especially even Google, was driving a lot of these consumer software things we were selling online. And we, a lot of our sales were actually coming from affiliate marketers, right? So you got these guys that had like the precursors, like forums and uh, blogs and forums, and all this kind of stuff where they'd have like a, you know, in like fact, like a banner advertising up on the site and a user would click through it, come to our website, buy the software. And for the big affiliates, we were paying those guys like fifty, seventy-five thousand $75,000 a month. And there were multiple ones. Um, and I'm sure we weren't their only like, you know, affiliate partner. Mm-hmm. So here I am, really a rude awakening for me thinking like, geez, I have a software company, a 25 employees product development. Our, we were given the big affiliates, like 50% of the sale on that thing. So, but our little percentage of that piece got down almost to nothing. And here you've got these guys getting you know, on 15, 17 years ago that we're probably not working all that much. And I was like, we're on the wrong side of the equation. So that really kind of opened my eyes to web design, the importance of Google, how important it is, uh, how important they are in the the purchase decision, all that kind of stuff. And and really kind of opened my eyes that way. We ended up selling that company, moved back to uh, the States in 2005. And I essentially didn't really know what to do. It was a nice payday for me, but it wasn't like, you know, you can't not work anymore for the next 40 years. <laughs> um, so what I ended up doing is well, I still didn't know much technically about the internet. Of course, I was running this company from a management standpoint, but didn't have a lot of technical skills. So I moved back to the Kansas city and just kind of out of the blue, I started to, I did a barter deal on a website that I knew nothing about. And I said, I told this guy who had an auto detail shop that I was going to build him, you know, a website and help him get online. So he didn't, wasn't going to, because what his deal was, he was, this guy was, um, he was just a regular auto detailer that was selling um, $25 a pop auto detailers to, to, um, to the dealership. So he was making really almost nothing working really hard to try and prep cars for sale that mm. were either use cars or news car, new cars. And I said, man, what you need to do is try and get get reached the retail market. So you can charge a hundred dollars a car, $200 a car and not like next month, nothing. So, I made this, you know, I proposed this thing. I took a leap and said, you know, I really don't know much about web design. or anything, but I'm going to make this guy a web design, a website. And I did Microsoft front page. I don't know if that <laughs> means anything to do with some of your audience, but that oh, was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of self-studied my way into a one page website, got him listed online, applied some of the stuff I had learned just kind of on the fly in that, in that previous software company. And within a, like a month or two, I got him ranked. And he, I remember him calling me up about 60 days later and he was saying, literally almost with like tears. And then I could hear his voice cracking. And he's like, Phil, I don't know what you've done. You've changed my business. You've changed my life. And it was like, boom, finally, after 30 years old, I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I had made this huge impact on a small business Mm -hmm. and the guy was so thankful. I literally brought him to tears. So it was like the most fulfilling phone call or thing that I'd ever done professionally. Um, for one, and two, I was like, "You know what? I think I can make some money off of this so that 's really what set me onto the path to where I am right now. It was kind of like Phil gets a d in computer science gets a gets a job at an insurance company doesn 't work, goes through his wild wide through Asia, does a microsoft you know front page website." <laughs> rolls that into a a digital agency that's actually, you know, I consider for the size that we are pretty, you know, pretty successful. I can't believe I'm sure a lot of my college classmates can't believe that a guy like me um, is running a digital agency, but that's, that's kind of what's happened.
0: Mm. that's so funny that you mentioned Microsoft front page because that was really my first experience with websites as well and I remember going out getting this book that had to be like three inches thick called the front page bible and (laughs) I went through this thing page by page and probably erased my website five times you know and was ready to throw the whole thing out the window before before I could finally get something serviceable and and I I think I went the opposite route. What that taught me was I like doing that sort of thing for myself. I like to play and learn, but I will leave that to the people who really love tech as far as (laughs) digging into that sort of creation because it is just so intricate and there's so much to learn.
1: It is, you know, I think even to this day, I mean, we, and my passion really is, on lead generation through the internet, so for me that really means you know trying to figure out Google and and some of the other places to get visibility. But to do it right these days, a lot of it comes back to getting your your website right. It's just the way it it, it almost kind of has to be because that's the place that you where you own everything, and it should be the referral source for all of your best you know content and stuff like that. Um, but. Unfortunately, um, you know, web design can still be messy and it's, I think it's a lot of hard work to do it right. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: to get that the rest of the internet and the marketing and the inbound marketing piece, you really have to have that as the foundation. So I still think even to this day, you know, going from trying to to figure out a one page Microsoft front page website to even the client engagements that we do today, it still can be a grind to do web design, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you, because you got to get together, you got to understand the company, you got to extract content, you know, Um, from the clients and all that kind of stuff. And it's just not one of these real quick things if you want to do it right. But it's a super important point because point it's the, virtually um, the foundation I think of, of digital marketing. So,
0: Right. So if a coach or an entrepreneur is just getting started, is this something that you feel someone can do themselves? Like if they have a little bit of experience with WordPress, can someone put together a website that's going to be a good foundation or is this something that they really need to think about hiring out for
1: I think it I think it all kind of depends i I really believe if somebody's just getting started, the best thing that they can do is at least try to figure out how to build their own website in WordPress right Figure out how to get a domain, get that together, point it in the right place, get a hosting account, you know hire out through somewhere even if it 's one of these gig places or upwork or somebody else try and get one on your own so you can go through the process of actually seeing how it's set up,
0: mm-hmm. getting into
1: the back end and just feeling where the pain points are so that you know how how this kind of stuff's set up. Um, because I think knowing how to do that, whether you end up hiring somebody to build you a custom website or you know trying to struggle through it on your own really teaches you, I think, a lot about how websites work in general. Um, especially WordPress, but also just trying to figure out how the stuff kind of ties together. Cause if you get into WordPress a little bit and study just a little bit, you know, and start to learn about, you know, SEO on it and learning how to work some of the the key plugins like Yoast and, and what page titles are and meta descriptions are and just kind of some of the basic things. Um, and then trying to tie in your, you know, your social media platforms into them so that you can you know, link out and maybe even publish out from your website. Those things, I think, really show people almost on the fly how important all this kind of stuff is and how it should all tie together. So, in fact, we—I mean, I just hired an outbound marketer myself a month ago, and the first thing that we did with her is I said, "Look, she'd had no experience in this in this industry at all," and I said, "I think one of the best things we can do for you, and you'll appreciate down the road, is." I'm going to, you're going to try and I'm going to give you a little bit of a budget and you're going to go out and do just what I told you. Just go out. and I want you to go buy a domain and go to this place with this amount of money and create a website and put content on it. And then, you know, we'll walk you through on the pieces you can do it by, but by knowing how to do some of that on your own, it's, it's, I think it's easier to relate to clients, but then you kind of understand because you're, you're basically learning on the fly. Um, and I think this is a valuable thing for pretty much, you know, anybody to learn mm-hmm. now in all honesty what I've told a lot of people is whether you use a theme and hire it out and start on that for, that's great. It's better than, it's certainly better than um, than not having a website or, or even go trying to get one on, a, on like a Squarespace or, or one of the web builder type things. I would definitely steer people towards getting some kind of a, in a WordPress theme or, or pre-made one for their, for their niche. In reality, when we get into competitive niches, um, the theme based websites tend not to do as well organically um, than like having a custom one built from scratch, and the reason I think is themes are meant to sell hundred thousand times for fifty nine bucks. They're not really meant to you know be built from the ground up to do well on Google. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that they can succeed, but there's just so much in there to try and apply to so many types of businesses that there's a lot more stuff under the hood that's needed, for, you know, for your business. Let's say whatever, whatever business it is, versus just building one from, you know, say, you know, say Photoshop files and, and making one, um, you know, kind of almost your own theme from the ground up that way, those tend to do better, but, but still, as te- you know, that's a, a, an edge. It's not like the only edge of the silver bullet, mm-hmm. uh, but you're in a really competitive one. That probably is a better way to go. And in that case, you know, it's, it is nice to go to a web design company that, that not only can build you a custom theme, but also one that's got some knowledge of, of search engine optimization Uh, And that means not just installing like a couple plugins, but actually saying, Hey, you know what, I'm gonna get to understand your business, we're going to figure out who your ideal client is, we're going to do competitive research, uh, or uh, keyword research, figure out how these ideal clients search and then try and reverse engineer your content based on search activity. That's how you really kill it online. And before, because a lot of people, what they end up doing is they build a website right? Mm -hmm. And then they go try and do SEO on it later. Well, that's not the best way to build a website. The best way to build a website is do the research up front, and then reverse engineer it around that research. And then you can really kind of build the perfect mousetrap. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of people still think of, I think, websites in terms of being almost kind of like a digital brochure, you know, kind of like this uh, static, almost presentation type of a thing. Um, versus making it a marketing platform. And that's kind of really what we try and, and get people to think of it as an investment, as a place to put all your best content, you know, to make it the referral source for everything that you're doing and then make sure that whatever you do, you've got some kind of a call to action or a piece that draws people back to the website. You know, we get clients all the time. And I'm going to say a lot of them are coaching because in our business, the it's really diverse in terms of the types of clients that we serve. Mm-hmm. But one common theme is that, you know, People will kind of treat their website like a digital brochure that if they do content or produce content on a regular basis, they tend to put it out um, directly on social media platforms where it kind of passes through that river. And then to my, you know, as far as how I think about it, it almost kind of dies or it loses you know, its value where most of your best content we think should be posted on your website and then shared out to social media so you can draw them back to your website right? You got a call to action on there, a chance to sign up for a newsletter, or you've got the AdWords or the Facebook pixel so you can tag them, build an audience you can remarket to later on those platforms. So, you know, the whole point is to build your website up so that you have a body of work so that all your content's up in that piece. And so it's optimized. And when you do it that way, Google will crawl it. And some of the content that you've invested and published on there has a chance to become an answer to somebody's problem, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't do that on Facebook if you put a Facebook post up in there and leave it because it's not as searchable and doesn't get indexed like the rest of them. It's great if you, so you can hit a lot of people that you know maybe at that one time. Um, so it's great in terms of like real-time visibility, but it doesn't become kind of you know, a historical part of the Google index that can be you know, crawled and served up as an answer. So that's a really long-winded type thing, but it's, <laughs> tough. it's really tough to get people to think of, I think, websites even to this day As marketing platforms. I think still people in for some way, shape or form still kind of think of them as, as almost kind of like a business card, right? And not like a, a platform.
0: Well, I think just from my perspective, the way that I see a lot of coaching websites is that they will put together, you know, five or 10 blog posts, and then that's pretty much what they want their content to be. So Unfortunately, and it's one of those things that sort of it's a something that irritates me a little is to go onto someone's website and see that they have, you know, ten blog posts from twenty fourteen. You know, it's like
1: Exactly. It
0: it might be really good content, but I'm looking at it like ah, it's junky three year old content. You know, maybe it isn't. Maybe it is, but you're not helping anybody by slapping a date on there if you're not gonna keep the content fresh.
1: That I think that really gets down to the point of you know, blogs and blogging to me is really the heart and soul of a lot of inbound marketing. And because it does so many different things and can be used in so many different ways, other than just that one dimensional, you know, push a button and publish a blog out. So, you know, it does a lot of things when you land on it. And like you said, you see it's dated. It all of a sudden loses any kind of authority that it had because it looks like the latest amount of information or education they put on their websites is dated. So there's not Mm -hmm. a whole, all of a sudden, that, um, almost kind of like the trust factor gets lowered a little bit. Anytime we build a, we- a website right now, we're trying to get people to know, like, and trust us as quickly as possible. So having your body of work up there, having an active, you know, blog post, and, and having some evidence of social media participation. You know, having your um, trust badges and, and, and testimonials, all that kind of stuff up there that really proves to people that you are are the best choice for their solution, needs to be there and needs to be updated. But you bring home a really good point, which is you got to. I mean, to succeed, I think today is we got to be really serious about content uh, generation and putting best content up there and doing it on a regular basis because it, it does a few things. If somebody lands on your website and you've got it fresh and it's good content then um, you know it increases the trust in it and your conversion rates go up. You saw a dated website, so maybe less likely to, to engage with that website or contact them because they really it looks like they're not active anymore, right? Mm-hmm. But on the Google side too, it's like, look, if you want to be an answer to somebody's problem, you need to be consistently growing your website on an ongoing basis. So being able to add blog posts that are specifically targeted to things that are trending in your space um, but also keywords that you want to go after because you can't get all your keywords on your homepage or even some of the main service pages. So the only way to grow that out and, and grow your organic traffic out really is by um, regular blog posting. We take it really, though, a couple steps further. And I said, I think blogging is the, the heart and soul of modern marketing, and I really believe that. And here's, here's, the, here's the reason, because we have a specific strategy that we do for all of our clients. I think this really probably relates to coaching as much or more than, than any other business. And that is, we like to do blogs as part of a series um, for our clients, even for ourselves. So we'll do a 10 to 15 blog series, right? And we structure it like a table of contents. so that, but we want each individual blog post that we do to be a standalone blog post that is on its own. Uh, makes a lot of sense. But if you do a series in this way, you've got, first of all, you've got a plan and you've got a goal to reach in terms of getting up to 10 or 15 posts that you can then schedule out week by week. But at the end you can stitch these together into an ebook that you can use to as for a call to action for your website, right? So somebody lands on it. Now you've got a free, um, ebook to to um, to offer them and hopefully get them into your education funnel. Then we take it a step further with that and take that ebook. Okay, then we turn it into a Kindle and put it up on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So now we've made our client a author and they get an author page up on there. Now they've got a little bit more of a launchable piece of content. We're like, it's a nice shiny thing to do for a coach, say for example, but also for the coach's clients, right? Because right. th- these days we're really all trying to figure out ways to elevate our authority and and help figure out and develop a platform so we can educate people. So obviously podcasts are a great way to do that. But also the first step to me, I think is books. Um, so you do this book and now you've got a launchable piece of content that you can do a press release on. You've got something to reach out to people. Um, but more and more what we're trying to do is actually take that Kindle book that we've, you know, helped our client develop and then use that as a way to do po- podcast guesting. Right. Mm hmm. So now you've gone just, and I think if you think about them, just roll back to the we word we're just first saying is, if you just do blog posts randomly one off without any like holistic strategy, then you kind of just get that one x return, right? You did it, you published it, and that's all it was. But if you think about doing this in terms of ten or fifteen strategically, now I just kind of outlined five or six wins that not only get you great consistent, you know, uh, blog content on your website. At the, but at the end of it, you've got a way to actually leverage that onto other platforms where you can reach more people and elevate your authority. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, I think, how it really when we lay out plans like this and you think about them strategically, it to me, um, it almost gets to the the book that I wrote with, with John Jantz at Duct Tape Marketing. And we called it SEO for Growth, but it's really more about trying to think about the things the way Google thinks, mm-hmm. you know, kind of put you the, the, the lens. And, and they're kind of trying to look at things really a lot more holistically now rather than these kind of one-dimensional backlinks or, or just words on a website, how they're yeah. kind of tied together. And I think if you think of your website this way and, and all the parts that should kind of reach out and touch, then the way you go out and develop content, you can get a lot bigger, I think, return on investment. Um, if you think about things the way Google does, because I, I look at, you know, Google rankings right now, people think of Google and Google rankings in terms of I search for something, I come up, I get the click and I get a lead. Yeah, that's really important part and that, that's never going to change. But the way I look at Google right now is Google's done a really good job of going out and measuring a lot of different signals about your website. Mm-hmm. It used to only be about like backlinks. That's third party links pointing to your website and the things that you have on your website. So the keywords, maybe some things you got going underneath, but the last five or six, um, years or so they 've really extended out the way they calculate their algorithm to include all sorts of things social media signals, uh, reputation management, and your reviews online, you know, your blogs and the way your blogs are and, and the way you 're getting cited on other websites. So if you start to look at the way and the, the factors that they 're using to, to reward people with rankings, it starts to look a lot like just the pieces, the ingredients of, digi- of digital marketing. You know what I mean? So we just got to figure out ways to tie them all together strategically, and not do them out randomly. Right. If you do that kind of in the Google SEO mindset. I think that helps you to kind of tie it all together in a way that makes sense and gets you a lot more, um, a lot more benefit and a lot more reach for the same amount of work, rather than if you do them randomly or just one at a time and not all tied together, then you just don't get the same kind of return on it.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it seems like a lot of people these days like to talk about repurposing content, but they almost look at it as the end result of that is to save time or the end result of that is to get a lot of content out without having to expend a lot of effort. But almost the way you're talking about it is that it's a lot more purposeful than that, that you can do the repurposing of content A side benefit is maybe not having to create multiple things, but there's a lot more purpose behind it and structure behind it that people might want to take into account.
1: Exactly. I think a lot of times, it's like anything these days, if you think about people, you know, they talk about repurposing content or they were talking about it more, um, it was really just repurposing content for the sake of repurposing it, just having more volume and more stuff. Mm it's the same thing, I think, with anything these days. I mean, if you want to try and do like backlink building, and backlinks in SEO are still one of these things that is really super important in terms of a Google ranking. So having a link point back to yours is really important. But what matters these days is quality and relevance, not the volume of it. So um, it's the same thing, I think, that goes with anything else. If you're going to do a piece of content, it's much better for you to do a blog post with the intent of actually creating really good quality, then you know, so so doing one really good you know blog post is going to be a lot more valuable than just doing five fluffy ones, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak. Just so it's not about like volume in that sense, and and none of it really is, I think, anymore. It's more about you know, you know quality than uh, than quantity.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what would you say would be like maybe some mistakes that you see people making um, as far as like small business owners or entrepreneurs do a lot.
1: I think the biggest thing is again I think the way people view websites is they don't view them as a as a marketing platform. I think that's the biggest thing that I see that that, that people make. They just they can't get out of the mind. And it doesn't uh, you know this is really changing. So it doesn't really matter if people I think figure this out in the next year or two or three. At some point I think the marketing platform, you know, inbound marketing type of website will become the standard and the kind of the static ones that are out there will just kind of cuz they already are starting to kind of fade away from a from a search engine standpoint. Um, but you know, getting, it's really interesting because we've talked to a lot of millennial business owners. And I think a lot of people still snark at some of them because in general, maybe that generation work ethic, whatever it is. But I see a lot. that actually come into our office that have the drive and these guys and ladies that come in they're they're already like digital natives. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't, you don't have to talk to them about the investing in a website or social media or search engine stuff. Just, they're already there. I mean, they're not, but if you get into guys that have been in the business for 30, 40 years, some of them are actually still dipping their toes in digital media. Mm-hmm. So they come in and they say, I don't understand why, you know, we used to do that, you know, cause they used to do the typical outbound advertising and things like on TV and radio. And there was a predictable, predictable amount of leads that they would get off of it. Uh, but it doesn't happen anymore. So they come in, they can't really figure out what's happening. I tell them, well, you know, Outbound marketing, TV, advertising, radio, all that stuff, I think really still works very well. The, the issue that, that, that's happening is that it drives people to the internet where then they go search for their own best choice and they go after somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I've got guys that come in all the time, spend a bunch of money on, on, um, on TV advertising and they've got like zero or one review on a crappy old website and all they did was create demand and that went to somebody else that looked better online. Right. Mm. So that's the mistake. I think is people do this stuff. They this boils down to everything that you do. I don't care if it's referral marketing because we get people that come in and it's like, well, all of our leads come from referrals. Well, I say that's probably true, but people don't realize how much referral business they lose because they couldn't find them on the, on their web on the web or didn't like their website or couldn't find the social proof that they needed. Mm-hmm. Right, So you, I think people sometimes think when they get when they get um, referral business that, that they've just gotten all of the could have gotten, but it, it might be that you got 10 referrals and only got four because six of them never made it to the phone because they didn't like what they saw on the website or couldn't maybe even find the website type of thing. So that gets down, I think, to the number, number one mistake of if you're going to do stuff, you're going to do any kind of marketing, you have to complete both sides of the circle. Because you can't be a great outbound marketer and not have the inbound sign on the internet because it almost always in some way, shape, or form now is filtering back to the internet. Somebody's going to look you up. They're going to check out your website. They're going to look for that piece of it. And that's in, and that's becoming more and more, I think, a per, an important part of the decision-making process. And I think that's where I think a lot of business owners that we see are just businesses and startups in general um, don't really put the emphasis on that website and and kind of make it part of their daily routine Um, that way. The other thing that I see is I think people don't recognize the importance of having a proactive um, reputation management strategy Mm -hmm. because that's just the way we all buy everything now, right? Whether it goes to Amazon, we go to Amazon and want to buy a book or buy any type of a product or buy a local service or go to a new restaurant. I mean, a lot of times people are looking for that social proof. So we all do it as consumers, but it's pretty funny that as business owners, sometimes we don't look at the importance of having this kind of a review portfolio, for our own business. And I've just seen it firsthand for my own business and pretty much every business that we've ever worked with. And anybody that puts time on trying to build up that social proof through testimonials, through online reviews, through Google, you know, reviews and all that kind of stuff. It almost always helps them get more business and close more business. Hmm. But they're tough. Reviews are tough. Testimonials are tough. I mean, ask people, they say yes. Yes. Um, of course, bad ones are like super easy, right? You ask somebody for a good review and then all of a sudden they don't know how to figure out how to get onto Google, but you you tick somebody off and they'll spend five days learning how to get on every platform there is, you know, to bash. And that's just the way that, that online, I think reputation works. But the, what the point, what really gets underscored here is that you have to take control of your online reputation before it takes control of you because, the bigger and more successful that you get, you're going to get some level of, you know, reviews online, and it's way better to be more proactive about it earlier than before you have to, like, deal with it, you know, later.
0: Right. So, for coaches, what are some of the ways that they can, you know, have an effect on their reputation management? I mean, just things that are coming to my mind, and they may not all be correct, but, like, You can leave reviews on Facebook business pages. So I'm thinking that would be one way. And then, like you had said, if you have an Amazon book, there's ways for people to leave reviews there. So then how do you bring that over to your website?
1: Well, yeah, the first thing that I would always try and do is we do a couple different things because it's interesting. You want to be more proactive about it and make it part of your daily routine and how you deal with folks and look at everybody that you deal with as a potential review. Mm Mm-hmm. And then what we do is we try and actually build a review funnel out. So, and really all it is is a very simple standalone website that all it is for the purpose of collecting feedback and sending people to the right review platform that you want to start to build up. So we literally, in this case, we'll create a very simple separate website. It's got like five stars on it. In a lot of cases, we'll print out like business cards so somebody can actually hand them out. And we send them to this. And it's really kind of a nice funnel because if somebody clicks one a formal pop-up, somebody kind of vents on that or explains how it wasn't bad. It goes directly to you and you can address it hopefully before it gets posted anywhere. But if it's a five-star review, then we can send them directly to the platform that we want to send them on. So it's a great way to get more because what ends up happening, if you start going out there and being too aggressive with asking for folks with reviews, sometimes you might end up waking up a bad experience and not having a way to filter those out. Mm. So I think having a review system in place that you can funnel and also with the purpose of trying to, under if something went sour and you don't know, then it's great for you to be able to address it and do what you can, especially as a coach, because those relationships are more intimate. And if if there was, you know, a feeling out there, then there's a lot of ways that you know people can kind of step up and, and try and make it right again um, before it gets posted anywhere else. But, um, and then, and then, the, so the, you have a funnel in place. That's step one. I think step two is trying to, and then figure out where you can spread your reviews out for. So I think, I don't, I guess what, Coaches, I guess for coaches would be I think of coaches in two ways. One I guess would be local, maybe in a local area, so it's a little more geographic focus. But I guess there also could be plenty of coaches that serve a vertical and could have clients all over the place, right? So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: certainly for the ones that are local and have local clients, then you know, getting on Facebook, getting on um a Google My Business, you know, page that's up and, and verified. Um, I'm getting those up are going to be really helpful because that helps your organic rankings for one and two, it helps you show up in the maps and things like that. So people searching for, you know, coaches or services in your area, you got a great chance to kind of show up in the maps as well as organically. Uh, but then verticals, obviously I think for everybody, a lot, especially in the coaching space is trying to stack up your testimonials in LinkedIn would probably be one of the first places I would go to, um, after Google, if you're not local. Um, And then when they get posted up there, they're up. So then what what I've done a lot is cherry pick the ones that show up publicly on the reviews and then reuse those as testimonials on the websites or in other areas. Oh yeah. Another way for you to kind of, and there's some actually plugins out there that will help you go out and scrape, you know, your five-star reviews from other places and kind of automatically feed them onto your website. But I would, you know, just cherry pick the ones that I like that make a lot of sense and put them on the right pages and use them that way. But you know, at the end, man, when somebody, especially I can see a coach, you know, I see web design, internet marketing, and getting those kind of long-term engagements where people are paying you maybe a larger retainer um, type business. At some point, they got to have a lot of trust with you as a coach or as an internet marketer, right? Because it's not like it's a $99 a month a thing. It's usually it's a lot, you know, it's a higher ticket than that. At some point, they've got to see some third-party evidence, I think, in trust to really get them over the edge. And I think working on that reputation uh, management piece and, and going out and it can be from, you know, when you get reviews, it, can, it doesn't have to be from a client. I mean, it should probably be first and foremost targeted towards clients, but it's anybody that has dealt with you that can vouch, you know, for your knowledge and ability is a potential review and testimonial, right? So partners mm-hmm. and things you've done on. Um, it's just a matter of being proactive about it. One, having a system in place. But to me, the number one key thing for reputation management for all businesses is discipline. I mean, it's not about asking one time. You really have to be like persistent and tenacious about it. Yeah. But when you do and you start racking them up, we've never had a business that's gone from zero to like 50 reviews. It hasn't told me like this has significantly changed, you know, my business. This is making the phone. I have guys in town here and they're not coaches. But routinely we get people that'll tell us, gosh, I wish we would have gotten on this review thing earlier because their clients are telling them um, we're just hiring you only because your reviews are so good. And I've heard that a hundred times at least. And you didn't wake people up to this though. And you got a lot of people out there with zero reviews on anything. Right. Mm So that secondary search that we're all doing um, when you can have some impact and influence on that, just by asking or being, you kind of be on top of it can really make a big difference in terms of Getting opportunity for more deals or closing the ones that, you know, that are in your pipeline.
0: Nice. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that you said it earlier that people really have to focus on that idea of getting people to know, like, and trust us before they'll take their wallet out. So as great ideas on reputation management and also really good information for people to start to think about how they look at their content marketing and how they can start to bring some of the SEO aspects into that. So, Phil, this has been really, really good, and I've learned a lot, and I know that the coaches out there have learned a ton and have a lot of good ideas to bring back into their business. I would love it if we could finish up now with the final five rapid-fire questions.
1: Yeah, let's do it up. All
0: right. So, what's one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable?
1: I just always go back to, I, mean, I wake up early, and I feel that um, I'm energized. I'm a morning person and roll out of bed sometimes and start working at like five o'clock. And I, I sometimes I feel like I've gotten almost a full day in before nine o'clock. Nice. Um, and then the rest of it's kind of gravy, right? So I can work and do other things and, and do stuff throughout the day. So I think to me, the habit of waking up early has served me really well.
0: What is one quality that you think every successful entrepreneur should spend some time developing?
1: I get, I mean, you hear a lot of people talking about grit right now, but I think that's really kind of sums it up. Um, because we all have, you have to basically fail to succeed, but you got a lot of people out there that focus on the failure so much and let them stew on it. You can't stew on stuff. You just got to have to kind of let it roll off you and move on. I think that's one of the things that's really helped me out is I'm not one. I used to, I think probably be one of these people that would stew on things too long, but now it's like, I don't, there's too many things I want to do. I don't have time. And then the people that went, if it went wrong so different way, they probably don't either. And they want to move on. So having that kind of grit to bounce back and stay motivated, I think is, is key.
0: Nice. Recommend one book that's had a big impact either on your business or your life.
1: Well, other than my own book, I have to <laughs> say, I have to say duct tape marketing. The only reason is because that's just opened so many doors for me in terms of the book contents good, but just going through and taking action on it um, has really taken my business to the next level. So nice. like, I got a Content-wise, I'd probably say a different work, but just in general, I got to give it to duct tape.
0: Give us an online resource that you think coaches would love to use in their business and that you couldn't do business without.
1: Well, anytime anybody refers to me anything right now, I actually refer them to this site called bloggerlocal.com because there's a great article that I can send you a link to that's got like the top 10 or 15 um, that's like blog writing services type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the key. None of us out there have the time to write all day long, but written content is still a really important part of business and um, it has to be done. So having somebody that can help you draft things up that you can edit or write on your notes or topics is really critical. So finding somebody that's affordable, I think is really important. So that list at bloggerlocal.com is awesome. Cause there's like 10 or 15 really good ones that are vetted. Now on that list, if you want to take it a further, there's another one called uh, uh, the content company. I think it's like get that's my personal favorite. So we've got a lot of people that use those. They're great for coaches and agencies. Um, but it's being able to have that consistent, high quality kind of writer on your team. That's affordable is a super powerful thing to have to compete. I think in this um, in, in digital marketing right
0: now, finally, how can the listeners best connect with you if they want to reach out on social? Um, what platforms are you on and what's your website?
1: I love people to visit SEO for com. That's got our book that I wrote with John. And so that's got a lot of great stuff and you can see all the people that endorsed it and whatnot. Um, if you want to see the little website that could Casey dot that's my little web design that still generates most of, you know, <laughs> um, that pays most of the bills. So, um, we're watching that pretty soon, but that's Casey And then I hang out at, um, At LinkedIn the most. I'm just not a big Facebook, share your personal life on social media type of guy. Um, So if I do spend anything, it's usually on LinkedIn. And um, that's where I like to hang out and put most of my best stuff on. I I am involved in some of the other ones. Like, you know, we post to Twitter, we post to Facebook, and I'm in some business Facebook groups. But in terms of actually posting stuff, if I had to pick one, um, let's hook up on LinkedIn.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to get all of those links and the recommendations onto the show notes page. This has been a really enlightening conversation, Phil. I want to thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. Be sure to join me next Monday for another inspiring interview. But wait, before you go, I've got a question for you. Are you ready to take action on all the great strategies today's guest shared, but you're not quite sure where to start? I've got you covered with my new action episodes where I break down how you can implement all their best tips and tricks. Get immediate access to this exclusive free content when you become part of the Unstoppable Coach community. Simply go to unstoppablecoach.co to join or text COACH to 345